You're listening to the Gates Church Podcast. For more information or to support this ministry, please visit thegates.org. We've been given this life. Let's live it out. That's what we're talking about. And so we're going to continue to talk about that as we, as we move into Galatians 6, starting at verse 7 and going to verse 10. That's where we're going to be today. Galatians 6, 7 to 10. All right, this is the Apostle Paul speaking to the Galatians, and he says to them, Don't be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a person sows, he will also reap. Because the one who sows to his flesh will reap destruction from the flesh. But the one who sows to the Spirit will reap eternal life from the Spirit. Let us not get tired of doing good. For we will reap at the proper time if we don't give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us work for the good of all, especially for those who belong to the household of faith. It's the word of the Lord. So, yesterday morning, um, my son, my oldest son, went off to YC with the youth group. I know some of your kids went as well. Um, at 11 years old, he's technically not a youth yet, but they took him along anyway because uh, he'll be in middle school next year. And so they were like, oh, you might as well join us. Besides, if he was born a day earlier, he would have been in middle school. He missed, he missed the cutoff, born January 1st. Um, and as he was leaving, I, you know, I was thinking to myself, I don't feel old enough for this. <laughs> You know, um, even though, yeah, I did just turn 37 a couple weeks ago, but thinking about that doesn't help either, right? Really, all of this has definitely got my head spinning in some kind of surreal pre-midlife crisis mode. Like, where did the time go, right? And wait a minute, did I just say I'm 37? That's that's halfway to 74, right? I've been thinking about that a lot lately, halfway to 74, What's going on? Um, I know some of you are like closer than I am, but I'm talking about myself here. Don't be so self-centered, everyone. Okay, um, but you know, but but above all, it gets me thinking. You know, did 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 I spend all that time wisely? That time that I've had, have I spent that time wisely? Did did I make the right choices? Did, did I invest in the things and, and people that matter? Was I faithful to God? Am, am I am I am I living as Christ commanded, or, or how much of that time was just wasted, just thrown away? You know, chasing after fleeting and, and selfish pleasures, or just being lazy or whatever. In this passage, Paul basically makes me ask. I've been convicted this, this whole week as I've been. Doing, as I've been studying and researching and writing this, this message, right? Because it makes me ask, personally, what kind of harvest would I reap today on the other side of heaven? What would, what would that harvest look like? Verse 10 says, Therefore, as we have opportunity, work for the good of all. And, and I want to focus on that word opportunity for, for a second. Because that word opportunity in the Greek actually conveys or implies this fixed period of time, like a season or an age. Okay? In other words, our window for opportunity, it's not going to last forever. 
our opportunity is right now. It's sobering to think about. But if we're honest with ourselves, we're, we're all aware that our time is finite, right? Our time on this earth is, is fleeting. Our, our bodies, this, this flesh has a beginning and an end. Ashes to ashes, dust to dust, as they say. Death is inevitable. We, and we can't predict when it's going to happen, right? It could come upon us right now. It could happen tomorrow or even 30 or 50 years from now. And we might try to deceive ourselves into thinking, oh, we've got a lot of time left to do whatever it is we've been called to do by God. Or we've got a lot of time left, you know, to change our lives around or to give up that habit or whatever it is, right? But in the grand scheme of things, in the, in the grand scheme of the, the age of our universe, that's hardly any time at all. And, and it goes by so quickly. Here I am at 37 thinking, where did those 37 years go? How, how is my son already going to YC? What is going on? And of course, our Christians, as Christians, you know, our, our hope is that it will go quickly. We're, we're hoping for Jesus' return, right? That one day he'll return to, to make all things new and, and crush the power of, of Satan and sin once and for all. And he'll establish a new heaven and earth. And, and, and all those who believe in his name get to, get to hang out with God and dwell with him in eternity. I'm looking forward to that. I'm anticipating that. But until then, as we wait for that day, as we're in this season, while you're still alive, while, while you still have breath in your lungs... While you have this opportunity given to you by the grace of Christ, what are you going to do with it? What are you going to do with it? What have you been doing with this opportunity? There's a sense of urgency here, right? But in in the same vein, we need to recognize this opportunity in a positive light as well. In other words, we've been given a glorious opportunity through the grace of Jesus Christ to do things and, and to live a life that we never could have lived without him. To do amazing things for the gospel that can and will make an eternal impact. This opportunity is a privilege. We get to partner with the God of, of the universe in proclaiming his name and, and salvation to the world. We, we get to do that. So, so you know, to sum it all up, let's not only make sure we don't waste it or let the time run out, but rather let's take full advantage of it while we can. While we have this opportunity, this amazing opportunity, let's sow good seeds that we might reap a full harvest. But again, this all begs the question as we look back on our lives, as we, as we take a sober look at our lives now and our lives moving forward, Are we making the most of this opportunity? What kind of seeds are we sowing? What are we, what are we sowing into? What, what kind of harvest will we reap? Verse seven says, don't be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a person sows, he will also reap. It, it seems obvious, especially for, for a farmer or anyone with a garden, but yet we need the reminder that the type of seed that we sow, the amount of seeds we sow, and the type of soil 
we sow the seed into will all determine the type and amount of harvest that we reap later. Right? So, for example, due to the, the dry summer we had last year and the harsh winter we currently had, and also because of my dog, my backyard, my backyard is, is a wreck. Like, it's, it's ugly. And, and my kids were wanting to play out there and it's, it's nasty. Right? Dead grass, patches without grass. Um, so when I heard it was going to rain this week, I was actually really excited. So I proactively bought some grass seed from the store. You know, I tilled the, the dirt a bit, sprinkled the seed on the ground, I watered it. And, and now I'm hoping that the rain will, will have had its effect on that seed, right? Though my hopes aren't high because I have the opposite of a green thumb. Uh, but if the seeds do take root, hopefully, and, and as long as, as the label on the package wasn't lying to me, what I expect those seeds to grow into are blades of green grass. Now, humor me here. Obviously, it would be incredibly silly for me to think that those seeds could also grow into an apple tree or, or stalks of corn or, or wheat or a beanstalk that would grow miles high and lead me to a, a city of giants in the sky, right? Of, of course, that's not going to happen. That's not the way that it works. We can't change the fact that, that in agriculture, right, we reap whatever we sow. We reap whatever we sow. If I plant grass seed, it's going to produce grass. If a farmer plants barley, it's going to produce a harvest of barley, right? It, uh, I hope you're following so far, because this is really Captain Obvious kind of stuff, okay? We reap what we sow. It's not a mind-boggling statement. It's common sense, but it's not just for farmers, or for your garden, this, this statement applies to our spiritual lives as well, our relationship with God. So the question that you need to ask yourself is when you take a look at your life, what are you sowing into? Because that's what your harvest is going to be. A good measuring stick for this is, is to take a look at what you invest in. You know, you could take a look at your bank, bank statement and say, well, what do I spend the majority of, of my money on? Or how, how, do I, how do I spend the majority of my time? Or what do I give my energy to, right? Or my work to, right? What, what, what do I usually pray about or ask for? What, what am I thinking about constantly? Right? These, these are tangible seeds that we sow, right? So whatever we give these things to, is a sure indication of where our hearts are and what our harvest is going to look like. Matthew 6.21 says, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where's your treasure? Where's, where's your treasure going? Because that's what you're sowing into. On that end, Paul writes that we either sow our seeds into or, or, or invest in one of two types of soils, to the flesh or to the spirit. Verses 7 and 8, again, says, Don't be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a person sows, he will also reap. Because the one who sows to his flesh will reap destruction from the flesh. But the one who sows to the Spirit will reap eternal life from the Spirit. So we either invest in the flesh or we invest in the Spirit. And when we sow into the flesh, what's happening? We're sowing into something that's temporary, Right? Something, something fleeting, something that's, that's, that's given to corruption, decay, something that won't last. 
But when we sow into the Spirit, when we sow into the things of God, we're investing in what's eternal. We're making an impact for the kingdom of God. William Perkins writes, There are two sorts of seeds which men sow in this life, good and evil. Two kinds of sowers, spiritual people and carnal people. Two sorts of ground in which the seed is sown, the flesh and the spirit. And two sorts of harvests, which man is to reap according to the seed, corruption and life. What will our harvest look like? Are we sowing into our flesh or the spirit? Are we taking full advantage of this this glorious life Jesus has freely given us by his grace? Or are we squandering it for some fleeting gratification or whatever? Are we obeying Jesus' instruction from Matthew 6, 19-21, when he says, Don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves don't break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. See, we're, through Jesus, we're given the opportunity to invest in what will last, to sow seeds into an eternal harvest. Again, the thing we often forget or, or, or we fail to recognize is that God's invited us and saved us to partner with him in the greatest mission, the most important, world-changing, and eternally impacting mission of, of all time, a mission that the world desperately needs to be impacted by. But yet too often we're like, nah, I'm kind of tired, so I'm just going to watch Netflix for the tenth night in a row. Yeah, you know, I'm just going to curl up with my glass of wine and just have some me time. You know, because I've been so busy lately watching Netflix, right? What, what are we thinking? How much time do we waste on these things that, that don't matter? Why, why are we so easily distracted from, from this, this opportunity we've been given to partner with the God of the universe in advancing his kingdom? And don't get me wrong, being, being entertained and, and, and watching a movie here and there or whatever is fine. You know what? Resting is definitely fine. We're commanded to rest, actually. We need rest. But not to the point that, that, that it keeps us from our mission and purpose. Not to the point that it keeps us from reading our Bible, which is sitting there collecting dust on your shelf, right? Not, not, not to the point that, that, that it keeps us from this opportunity we've been given to do good. We've allowed the things of the world and the desire of the flesh to become such a distraction for us. Have we not? We're on our phones, right? Our phones tell us how many hours we're on our phones now. We don't like to look at that, do we? That's convicting. Generally speaking, I'd wager that we sow way more into the flesh than into our relationship with God. And this is death. It's corruption. Second Timothy 2, 4-5 says, No soldier 
gets entangled in civilian pursuits, since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. So you're, you're kidding yourself. You're, you're deceiving yourself if you think you can change the rules of the race and still reap the rewards of a good harvest. Right? I, he says a good soldier doesn't get distracted by the things of the world, but presses on towards the goal. He keeps focused on the one who enlisted him. So we can't change the rules. We can't cheat, right? We will reap what we sow. So we need to keep focus on God by the grace of Jesus in the power of the Holy Spirit and press on toward the goal. But when we're sowing to the things of, of the flesh... We're just selfishly placing the focus back on ourselves. We're getting distracted from what truly matters. We're investing in a harvest that's only going to decay. John Stott, theologian, the late theologian, gives us a good description of moments when, when we do this, when we, when we sow to the flesh. He says, every time we allow our mind to harbor a grudge, nurse a grievance, entertain an impure fancy, or wallow in self-pity, we are sowing to the flesh. Every time we linger in bad company, whose insidious influence we know we cannot resist, every time we lie in bed when we ought to be up and praying, every time we read pornographic literature, every time we take a risk that strains our self-control, we are sowing, sowing, sowing to the flesh. How many Christians wonder why they're not experiencing the fullness of God or, or the joy of God or the passion of worship or, or, or the security of feeling loved or, or the hope of, of the future? How many Christians get mad or, or frustrated at God for being distant or not blessing them? But yet they don't realize it's because they're habitually sowing into their flesh. Duh, you reap what you sow. I'm showing my age here because I said duh, right? But you reap what you sow. Like, I couldn't get mad at my wife or be surprised at her if, if she starts becoming distant to me because I've decided to play video games all day and, and hang out with my friends at the golf course every other night instead of investing in our relationship. It's the same with our spiritual life. Our actions have consequences. Let's not mistake this for karma, though, or something like that. Because grace is always there to redeem any situation, even when we don't deserve it. But we can't continually presume upon or, or take his, his grace for granted. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago, right? Feed, feeding your sinful nature will always reap sinful effects. Whether you experience it now or, or at the time of judgment, you reap what you sow. Philip Graham Reichen writes, Since sin is as harmful to the body as it is to the soul, this decay is both physical and spiritual. In the end, living for selfish pleasure yields the miserable harvest of eternal death. Yet even in this life, sin proves to be self-destructive. Not, not that everything bad that happens in your life is, is a direct result of sowing to the flesh. That's not how we're supposed to interpret this. Right? Job's, if you read Job, Job's friends are telling him, yeah, this is because you did something bad. You're suffering because you did something bad. 
But that's not at all. Job was righteous, right? We can suffer and still be righteous. But sometimes we do experience the, the effects of, of, our, of our decisions, right? This cause and effect is laid out for us repeatedly throughout Scripture. Job 4.8, those who plow iniquity sow trouble and harvest it. Proverbs 131, they shall eat of the fruit of their own way. So you, you, want, you want to go your own way? You want, you want to be apart from God? You want, you want to make your own bed? Then guess what? You can lie in it. That's what that's saying. Hosea 8 verse 7, they who sow the wind reap the whirlwind. You know, we think little, little gusts of wind here and there, little sins here and there. What's the big deal, right? What's the big deal? Until we reap the whirlwind, right? Until we see the harvest of all these little seeds that we've been planting. And then Hosea 8.13 continues and says, You have plowed wickedness, so you have reaped injustice. Proverbs 11.18 says, The wicked earns deceptive wages. He who sows righteousness earns a true reward. And, and that, that last one is telling Right? Sometimes when, when we serve the flesh, we, we think we're, 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 we're earning that reward for ourselves. Right? We, we, we think we're making ourselves happy. Maybe we're, we're making ourselves rich or, or we're, we're getting status or, or we're feeling good about ourselves or, or we're stoking our self-righteousness with our legalism. But it's all just deceptive wages. Deceptive wages. God is not mocked. You can't use dirty money to please God or, or get your reward. If we think we can, we're, we're, just, we're just deceiving ourselves. More, more poignantly, we're wasting the opportunity we've been given by Jesus, by his grace, to live a life of purpose for the God of the universe. Let's not forget this, that, that before Jesus, all we could do is sow to the flesh. And, and it always led to death. That, that's exactly what we've been saved from. So why would we keep investing in that? that? That makes no sense. But because now in Christ, as we abide in him, we can sow good seed in good soil and reap a good harvest. N.T. Wright writes it like this. He says, the flesh will not last. Its decay and death are certain. You know, that, that's bad investment, Right? But the only harvest worth having is the one that comes from sowing to the Spirit in the wider sense of living, praying, and bearing fruit in the Spirit. To sow to the Spirit means, means living for Christ in, in every area of our life. It means laying down our lives and laying up our treasures in heaven. Not as Jesus says on earth, where moth and rust will destroy it. Reckon again writes, every time we think, say, or do anything for the glory of God, we are, we are sowing to his spirit. God's given us his spirit to, to, so that we can take captive every thought, every moment, every action, and, and use it for his glory, for his purpose, to invest in his kingdom, to invest in our relationship with him. To abide in Christ in order to bear the fruit of an eternal harvest. Gordon T. Smith, who's the president of Ambrose in Calgary, he writes this. He says, this is precisely the work of the Holy Spirit. 
drawing us ever more into union with Christ and fostering within us the capacity to live as followers, as disciples of Christ, to foster our capacity to attend the voice of Jesus, to grow in our capacity to abide in Christ, even as Christ abides in us. So the more we sow into the Spirit, the more we we grow in in, in what it means to abide in Christ, and the more fruit we will bear. And, And on that end, just like in agriculture, the more we sow, the more we'll reap as well. 2 Corinthians 9 verse 6 says that the point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. We sow to the Spirit so we can reap a good harvest. And, and, and we give generously and, and abundantly from what God's given us so we can reap bountifully. Paul sums it up. All this up simply in verse 10, when he tells us what it looks like. Therefore, he says, as we have opportunity, let us work for the good of all, especially for those who belong to the household of faith. Work for the good of all. This, this is the spiritual life. And there's no exception there. I just want to point that out. There's no exception there. Work for the good of all. So, all peoples, all races, all ages, all religions. We don't have to agree with them, but we work for their good, right? Yourself, your neighbor, all. But there is an especially in that sentence. Do good especially to the, those of faith. Why, why would he need to say that? Because we need to be healthy within these walls, within the church community, so that we can be more fruitful outside of them. The more we invest in the household of faith, the more we can invest for the good of all and and build each other up and encourage one another and send each other out. But in the end, what it all comes down to is that as we invest in in loving and restoring each other, when when we invest in our own personal walks with Christ, when we invest in the ministry of the church, when we invest in the reading of the word, when, and our growing in our own spiritual walks, right? When we invest in our marriages and in our relationships and in our children, when we invest in serving the poor and, and the needy and the widows, right? When, when we invest in loving and proclaiming the gospel to our neighbors, whether it's through sowing our finances or our time or our prayers or our work or whatever it is, we're, we're sowing into the spirit. We're investing in an eternal harvest that, that will not go to waste. And again, the more we sow, the bigger the harvest little side note here, it's not up, don't, don't worry about keeping score either, okay, in, in your own life or comparing ourselves to one another, right? Don't worry about keeping score. Don't, that, that's not up to us. Again, this isn't, this isn't legalism or karma where we have to tally up our points and balance them out against the bad things that we've done or whatever. No, that, that's all up to God. He'll make the harvest plentiful. Our role is to be obedient in faith, and that'll look different to each one of us. Ultimately, in the end, though, as we sow to the Spirit, as we give out of what God's given us, and as we invest in doing good for the glory of God, we'll receive that gift of eternal life. Not that we didn't already receive that from Jesus. That's, that's free, right? That comes from, through grace, His grace. But what I think he means by this is that as we sow into the things of the Spirit, who gives life, who raised Jesus from the grave, 
that same spirit who dwells in us, as we invest in that, we'll begin to receive and experience the, the, the effects and blessings of everything this eternal life has to offer. Whether it's the fruit of the Spirit being displayed in our lives, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. Or whether it's the gifts of the Spirit that, that start shining through in our lives. Whether it's a deeper relationship with God and understanding of His Word. Whether it's being sanctified and, and conformed more and more into Christ's likeness individually and as, as the church. Whether it's an increase of our security and our identity in, in Christ and our assurance of eternal hope. And ultimately, resurrection life. And of course, in the same way as sowing to the flesh, as, as we sow to the Spirit, we'll, we'll get to reap some of the rewards in this life, but ultimately we'll reap the full harvest when we meet Jesus face to face. I've been inspired by my wife recently because almost daily... Um, when she starts getting into her share of the chores around the house and all that stuff, she's always got her headphones in. And she's not listening to music or whatever, but she's listening to podcasts of sermons and lessons about the Bible. And she's been learning and she's been growing. She's been getting really excited about the depth and, and knowledge of the, of the Word. It's, it's really cool and really inspiring to see and if you didn't know, she also works full-time in a pretty stressful job. You know, she's raising two kids, blah, 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 the list goes on. Which means she could easily come home and make an excuse about being too tired or too busy to read her Bible or to sow into the Spirit. But she doesn't. She's, she's found a way to dig in the Word anyway that, that, that fits her life. And it's inspiring. And, and you know, a byproduct of that is that it's inspired amazing conversations between, between us about God and the Bible. And she's growing in her faith. And I'm learning things from her. And it's inspired me to dig even deeper into the Word as well. And guess what? You're benefiting from all of that too when, it, from, when I teach from the pulpit. You see, she's taken the opportunity she's been given to sow into the Spirit. She's investing in the things of God. And by doing so, it's causing good in her own life, in mine, in our marriage, in our kids, and it's spreading into the life of the church. We're, we're reaping what she's been sowing, right? It's, it's incredible. You see, you see what an impact it can have just, just taking extra time to sow into the Spirit. So do it. This, this is our time. This is our opportunity. What, what would happen, humor me again, please, what would happen, do you think, if every time, you know, before we made a decision or, or before we spoke a word or, or before we spent our money, what would happen if we asked ourselves, is this sowing to the flesh or to the spirit? Is this sowing to the flesh or to the spirit? How different our lives would look. I'm talking to myself too. How different our lives would look. William Perkins again wrote, if, if men could be persuaded of this, that the time of this life is the seed time, 
that the last judgment is the harvest. And that as certainly as the husbandman which sows the seed looks for increase, so we for our good works. A recompense to the full. Oh, how fruitful should we be. How plentiful. How full of good works. If we could see the harvest that awaits us, we'd be, we'd be ready and willing to dig our heels in, wouldn't we? We'd be ready and willing to work hard to see it come to fruition. That's, that's why a farmer is willing to work hard and work long hours preparing the soil, planting the seeds, watering the crops, doing whatever farmers do, right? Because he's, he's confident that his labor will lead to a harvest, He knows what's going to come out of it. In the same way, a runner in a race won't stop running, knowing that the the finish line will soon be in view and that that he'll be able to reap the rewards of his labor when he wins the prize. Right? But let's be honest. Sometimes it's hard for us to dig in for the long haul. It's easy to get distracted. And And sometimes it's hard for us to see the finish line from where we're standing. Especially when we're in, you know, a season that's a, a valley, right? It's, it's definitely easier, too, to see our, our material things or, or the numbers on our account balance than, than our treasures in heaven. And sometimes it can get frustri- frustrating when, when we're, we're trying to do good, but then the world hates us for it. Or we become confronted with difficult circumstances in our life that don't seem to look like the harvest we were promised. And so in those times, I could just feel hopeless. We can grow tired of doing good and just exclaim, you know, what's, what's, what's the point? Why can't I just go chase after the things I desire? What, what's the point? I've been there. And Paul seems to recognize all of this in verse 9 when he encourages them and says, let us not get tired of doing good. For we will reap at the proper time if we don't give up. Don't give up. It'll be worth it. You'll see. In 1 Corinthians 15, 57 and 58, he says it like this, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, be steadfast, immovable, Always excelling in the Lord's work because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Your work is not in vain. Your work for the Lord is not in vain. Don't lose hope. Keep going. Persevere. Excel in it because at the right time, you will reap the harvest. But here's, here's the key in all of this it's God who gives us the victory. Through Jesus, therefore, right? It's God who gives us the victory through Jesus, not, not ourselves. What, what I mean is sometimes we grow weary in doing good because of our lack of devotion to God. We're running the race. We're, we're trying to do good works. But yet we're not keeping our eyes on the one who enlisted us. Instead, we're trying to do it all ourselves or, or we lose sight of why we're doing it in the first place. 
But to persevere in doing good, we have to first make sure that unlike the priest in Malachi who whined, oh, behold, what a weariness this is, right? That our motivation, we have to make sure our motivation to do good works isn't to, to please ourselves or to lean on our own strength, but to glorify and lean on the Lord who, who has saved us and given us his spirit to work in us and through us. Because we, we can't just tell ourselves to, to keep doing good work or to be steadfast. That's, that's like telling someone who's, who's anxious and stressed out, like, just stop stressing out. Like, that does, it doesn't work like that, right? It's, it's deeper than that. As, as 1 Thessalonians 1 verse 3 says, Remembering before our God and Father, this is the important part, your work, but not just your work, your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. So in order to persevere and not grow weary in doing good, we need to work from a place of faith. We need to be laboring for the gospel and, and, and for others from a place of love, which comes from Jesus and, and his love for us, right? And, and we can only remain steadfast from a place of hope in the truth that Jesus has won the victory. In other words, we won't grow faint if our devotion is set on God, if we're, if we're relying on the ministry of the Spirit working in and through us, if we have our eyes set on Christ. And if we start to grow weary, it's probably a sign that we need to do a little turn, take some time to, to have some repentance, turn back to Jesus. And to that end, Jesus, in, in Luke 18, verse 1, tells us further how we can persevere. And Jesus told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. Pray and not lose heart. If we're to persevere, we need to be in prayer. Prayer to, right, this, this is, this is sowing to the Spirit, right? Prayer to our souls is, is like food and nourishment to our bodies. It keeps us focused on God and, and trusting on God so He can nourish us with the faith, strength, and hope that we need for each day. Especially on the days where, where the work is hard and, and we're not feeling the harvest. Being in prayer will keep us from losing heart. But in the same way, we also have to remember that sowing seeds takes patience as well. We have to have patience. In this, in this age of instant gratification and skip the dishes, we're used to getting what we want now, right away, right? But the farmer knows that his seeds won't produce or grow right away. He doesn't lose hope or grow frustrated if his seeds aren't sprouting after he waters them once. I've found myself staring out my backyard the last couple of days, seeing if the grass has grown yet, the seeds I planted three days ago. That's not going to happen, right? The farmer knows that seeds take time. In the same way, we need to be patient and trust in God's timing. Because let's be honest, sometimes our, our weariness and frustration stems from our impatience because we don't see the harvest as quickly as we'd like. Like, we're praying for this guy. How come he hasn't changed? I'm praying for this. How come I haven't seen that? That's because you're impatient. I, I read about a testimony this past week in which um, an elderly man, he, he randomly remembered the words of a sermon about the gospel he'd heard 50 years earlier. And in pondering it in that moment, he gave his life to Christ. 
Fifty years that seed took to bear fruit. Seeds take time. God's time. Warren Wiersbe writes, The seed that is planted does not bear fruit immediately. There are seasons to the soul just as there are seasons to nature. And we must give the seed time to take root and bear fruit. How wonderful it is when the plowman overtakes the reaper. Each day we ought to sow the seed so that one day we will be able to reap. But we must remember that the Lord of the harvest is in charge and not the laborers. So, bottom line, to sum this all up, we, we have an opportunity. Jesus has saved us and he's called us and he's freed us to be his ambassadors on this earth until he comes again. Will we take that opportunity to sow into the Spirit and work for the good of all? Or will we just you know, waste it and let it run out on us as we sow into the flesh? What kind of harvest do we want to reap? What kind of harvest do we want to reap? If we want to reap the harvest of eternal life, then let's not grow weary of doing good. Let's persevere and stand firm in being the lights Jesus has created us and filled us with his spirit to be. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your love, your grace, your mercy with which you poured out on us through Jesus Christ. As he willingly took our sin upon himself at the cross, He conquered sin. He conquered death through the grave. His spirit raised them up, Lord. And we get to, we get to experience that, that resurrection life, that new life. But Lord God, I, I just want to come to you now with, with just a spirit of, of, of humility and repentance for when we've, we've squandered that life. And gone back to to the things that you've saved us from, Lord. I pray through through your your grace and the power of the Holy Spirit that you you would change our trajectory in life. That we would be able to take the opportunity that you've given us in this season. To plant good seeds and good soil that we may bear fruit. Lord, you are the vine, we are the branches. We need to abide in you. And Lord, as we abide in you, as we seek you out, Lord, I pray that you you would give us even greater opportunity to bear fruit, to sow more seeds, that the harvest would be plentiful for your glory. Give us the strength. Give us the hope. Give us the, the, the faith that we need to work for the good of all while we're here, while we have the time. Help us to not squander that, Lord, but take full advantage of the opportunity 
of this glorious life that you've given us. Pray this in Jesus' name.